Hey, welcome to the Articulate Ox podcast, where artists talk about the art that made them artistic. I am your host, Soma79. Thank you so much for joining us. My guest today is artist Katie Alexander. She makes these super cool sort of digital art collages, but the, she draws everything. It's sort of in the, in the spirit of a collage, but um, incorporates a lot of different elements from the news and pop culture and combines them all together in a way that I think is awesome. I, I, I love looking at them. We talk a lot about her art in the episodes, so I'm not going to... Uh, go into too much of a detail here we i show some examples of it and we talk about stem which the education discipline or whatever you would want to call it um apparently i'm still learning but science technology engineering and mathematics uh computer science all that good stuff and we talk about how that inspired her and a lot of her work and um, i love katie she's somebody who just you can tell she's somebody who wants to make the world a better place and she knows how to start small and kind of build up big from there. And I don't know, we need more people like her in the world. This was a really fun conversation. We get into a lot of different areas about education, our own upbringing and stuff like that. So I hope you enjoy it. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, peace. Welcome to the newest episode of the Articulate Ox podcast. I usually try to say the episode number, but I've gotten it wrong so many times. I'm just going to give up. My guest today is Katie Alexander, who is an artist who I've known for quite some time. Her art is quite cool, and we're going to get into all of that. We're going to talk about STEM today and how that inspired her. And what's going on today, Katie? Hey, thanks for having me. No uh, what's going on today? Um, not much. I have done very little this Friday. I've been very lazy. Yeah, well, you're you're in um you're across the pond in um, England in London area. Um, I don't want to give exact coordinates, but so your day is already well underway. I just woke up about ten minutes ago. Um, uh, so in the future, it's not bad. It's you know, it's a bit cloudy. Appreciate it. We've already had lunch. Not a bad lunch. Oh, I haven't had breakfast yet. But whatever, that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about STEM and your art and all that good stuff. So um, so your art, I don't even know how to describe, how would you describe it? Because that's probably better than me fumbling through it. And we'll probably show, we'll show some pictures in the screen anyway. So, it's gonna, so you'll have a visual aid. So how did you come upon your style? And um, yeah, take it away. Yeah, how did I do it? Um, I've always done collaging. Like especially as a kid, like I started out really young, just loving collaging. And I would spend hours cutting out or cutting up magazines and newspapers and have a mixture of kind of different medium. And then I migrated that to digital. So now I just draw the collages instead of cutting them up and pasting them. So a lot of your work it 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 it, it um it talks about current events. It's yes, um, which I think yes. makes sense because that would be something that you would have cut out from newspapers and magazines back in the day. Um, and a lot, and I would say pretty much all of it has some sort of a message. Um, what do you What do you want people to to take from your art? Um, yeah, so it's kind of a mixture of current events and then probably like with most art, right? Something personal always creeps in there. And you and I was thinking about this when you asked me to to come on your podcast and at first I, I kind of freaked out and I was like oh god does my art actually mean anything I don't know if it does <laughs> um does any more art mean anything or does all yeah I know that's everything? that's it does it actually mean anything should it is it does this mean I'm a bad artist and then actually I realized yeah it kind of does so it's 
I love the detail. Me too. And so while like in my art, there's a lot of fact, right? It's like things that have happened in the news. Um, I often think that like as humans, we look at the world around us and we perceive everything that's going on, right? It could be the great things, but also the injustices, but we kind of watch it as if we're watching a piece of art and we don't really do anything about it unless it impacts us directly. So, you know, you know, from kids, it could be bullying at school through to, you know, war zones or famine, or I don't know, we seem to just watch what goes on like you would do as if you looked at a painting. Are you saying that all the memes that I'm sharing to my Instagram stories aren't doing anything? Because that that's, <laughs> I thought I was making a difference. Um, no, I, 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 I totally know. get what you're saying. Because one of the things that kind of, that when I look at your art, I'm just now realizing this is that, so you have so much going on in one piece. It sort of reminds me about what it's like just to try to read the news and feel anything for anything for more than a few seconds at a time. It's, you'll see these things, especially when, you know, I live out in kind of the, the boonies of Western Mass and you watch the news and it goes back and forth between, you know, the state of Ohio is on fire and nobody can breathe in the air. And then it goes to, hey, we're putting in, you know, some new lights down in Northampton. And you're just oh, like, and then don't forget the puppy that got saved from. Like, right. the and then the other puppy that needs a home and then, you know, 10 minutes of sports and then, you know, weather that's right half the time. And it's yeah. just all become something that it's the juxtaposition of these things that are super serious with these things that really, you know, that might be, that are probably serious to a small number of people or just human interest. It's just, you don't know how to feel about it. It's just trying to take you, it takes you up and down and you're on this emotional roller coaster of things that are supposed to be facts that are put through all these filters and, and everything. And you just end up feeling nothing and just sitting here sipping decaf coffee yeah. from your elf mug. And watching it well, like you would if you went to a museum and you were looking at a piece of art and you kind of just, right. it's, you're, you're desensitized by all the chaos, but also, I think also as humans, it's really easy for us to not get involved or, or to come, come up with excuses why we don't want to get involved and stand up for something because it doesn't affect us directly. Right. And a lot but of us feel that you can't to be make a, a difference anyway. Right. Yeah. And I think a lot of people exactly. feel they can't make any sort of a difference, but the reality is, is that that's the only thing that ever makes a difference is people, you know, speaking up and actually doing something and taking to the streets. And, you know, it doesn't always work, but, you know, not doing it works. Yeah, exactly. Zero you percent know, of the time. Yeah. And then each piece, I guess, depends on that time, like the time I draw, I draw it. So a mixture of, I guess, what's going on in my personal life, plus the world. And right. it becomes, a, I guess, a a brief glimpse of my brain <laughs> right and it's also a bit of a time capsule too because it is yeah. truly i'm looking at one right now and um i i'm believing i'm looking at uh boris johnson popping off some champagne with the christmas hat on so i think i know what that's in reference to uh we got putin wearing an i'm the gift sweat sweater <laughs> oh yeah yeah right? that was my christmas one that was yeah. that was uh christmas 2021 so covid yeah. lockdowns um and it has a mixture of yeah there's Putin who thinks he's the gift and that kind of reminded me a lot of his you know the shots where he doesn't have a shirt on he's tackling yeah. bears and riding a horse look, um, look, look, looking just good like you know yeah just looking good. just looking good and, yeah. yeah Boris Johnson having a party that he probably shouldn't have had <laughs> so just, yeah there's a lot there's a lot in there there's a uh, there's a little bit about a university professor um, who was, I believe, studying spiders and then falsified the 
the findings. Um, so that was all over the news over here, probably not in the probably not in the UK in the US. No, that's that that's I'm I want to Google that though. Is like what falsify what was he trying to say the spiders were not doing or not doing? I'm trying to remember what he did. It was I think it was an they it was an ecology professor who they looked into his research and I think he had falsified or made up I'd have to go back and check the the news article, but I believe he had like made up part of the article and the findings that he'd been working on. And so after a while they figured it out and then I think he was put on leave. And I don't I don't know what happened after that because yeah. these are like snapshots in time, right? I drew it and then I lost interest, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's move on um, to the next thing. Which is which which is what really sucks is because science and um you know the sciences in general are under attack a lot. Of, I mean, especially in, in my yeah. you know, home country where it's like they'll take anything to try to um discredit all education, it seems like to some degree. And it's a shame when stuff like that happens, you know. Yeah, well, I guess you don't want people educated, right? Then they can think for themselves. I know. And that really, that really seems like what's going on in this country a lot is they just, the, the amount of things that people don't want kids taught about is is really quite insane. It's, um, it's, it's nuts. It's just, it's our education system is, is pretty not great. You know, for a country yeah. that's supposed to be, whatever the greatest in the world if you buy into that our education system is certainly not that no i i don't know if this is true but i think someone was telling me that in the u.s like the teachers have to buy their own school supplies and pencils and and that just if that's true that just blew my mind because it's not like a requirement but what happens is a lot of um they wouldn't have it any other way it's not like the schools are telling them to do it is the teachers you know are stuck in the rock in the hard place and they end up doing it because they want the kids to have a better education and not these teachers are getting paid anything it's it's just teacher like it's it's such an awesome profession it's just so undervalued by so many people it's such a shame Right. They're glorified babysitters that you that you yell at more than you would yell at your normal babysitter. It's it's um yeah, it's whatever. You would it's, have thought like homeschooling would have taught us all one thing is they're freaking awesome. <laughs> right, right. But the problem is people I the, you know, adults have kids and adults are so set in their own ways, they just want their kids to be little versions of themselves. Like they it's it's amazing how many people I know that have kids that don't really want their kids to be independent human beings, it seems. And I see friends of mine that seem to be just, I don't know, I don't want to judge too harshly, but just just more than happy to pass on their own prejudices and worst personality traits, you know, oftentimes publicly to their children I'm like and, and then then they would yell at a teacher over you know a misplaced word or something I, I don't get it yeah you know I just uh I I had a friend recently who sent me this text complaining about their school and he's like you know all the students there are such wokies and they all care about their pronouns and in getting rid of their um their privilege but then they complain when they don't have the mo the, the best you know car in the world and I'm like okay you're sort of like a you're taking something yeah. that is in some ways positive that it's like you're teaching kids to have empathy which is a nice it's like well that's beautiful they have empathy and then you're comparing it to like okay well you're still a young kid and you're still being brought up in a house where this stuff obviously is just taught to you that it matters 
and it's just it's one of those things that I find that a lot of people that tend to be on that side of the argument will take these two things that are totally unrelated and combine them. Like I had someone else over here um, post some meme that was like, um, they're like, a contradiction is the fact that you think that an eight year old can identify their gender, but an 18 year old can't understand um, student loans. And I'm just like that. Those are two totally uncomparable things. It's like, yeah, you know, I, this, the same reason why the military goes after 17 year old kids is, is the same reason why colleges go after 17 year old kids, yeah. because they know that they're that they can easily manipulate them. And, you know, we live in a country, we live in a world, I guess, where the, some of the highest suicide rates is, is against is about people that are LGBTQ. And, you know, they're as a child, they know these things and they're put in a world where they're told they don't even exist or whatever. And a lot yeah, of this no, is mixing two themselves. completely different things. Like, right. You're talking about like, wrong, financial real understanding versus understanding right. who you are as a person, right? And like, this person who posted this, I'm sure, couldn't explain to me how student loans work even now at, the, at their life, and that's the ironic thing. Right? I'm gonna, I'm gonna take the excuse that I'm in, I'm in the UK because I don't understand how they work in the US. I did. I mean, they I did my university in Europe. I don't know how you guys do it. Right. <laughs> I mean, I was, I graduated college in three years because I looked at everything and goes, it's not worth me spending all this money when I can just get my degree. But like it's they they sort of advertise college over here as like a very expensive party. I remember some people like, why would you want to leave early? Because I'm like, I don't want to spend another thirty thousand dollars to hang out with you doofuses again for another year. Oh, <laughs> honestly, like university in the states is just, I mean, it, it's getting expensive here, but in the states, I genuinely just don't. It blows my mind how expensive it is. Like, and the value goes. It's not like it. It's not like you know a lot of things that go up in price go up in value but the value is dropping drastically yeah i mean there's so many people with i always remember i was looking at going to law school i was kind of at a crossroad maybe five or six years ago i'm like i could be a lawyer what the fuck like i can do this and i thought about it and i talked to my lawyer friends and they're like the problem is that it's not a secure it's not as secure of a profession as you think it is there's a lot of unemployed lawyers out there. really that's what that's what my lawyer friends told. Maybe they just thought I was too stupid to pass the bar, but uh, maybe they were trying to be nice to me. But um, that it's not really a guarantee. And even if you see in healthcare, you see a lot of doctors. I mean, it used to be that if you were a doctor, people thought you were a millionaire. But there's a lot of doctors out there that aren't making, you know, the money that that you know I think they may have anticipated. Maybe their parents told them that they would, and they've spent a lot of money on this education. And there's really no going back. I mean, once you're that invested, it's you know that is what you're going to do you know and then you're always one lawsuit or one patient away from having your entire reputation tarnished like oh yeah like you get sued you're kind of stuffed right right the amount of people i i remember i was talking to a co-worker years ago and they were because you know in europe we think you know americans they just like to sue people oh they of course we do but the, the thing is like i think that's calmed down a little bit because lawsuits have become expensive and yeah. you don't and we have a justice system that doesn't always work. Even if you if you think you're right, there's a good chance you're not going to win, which, you know, that's the good and the bad of that is that it used to be there were people that could take on a case and really use it to make some change. But you don't really see that anymore. These are there are people that are above the law just because of the amount of money that they have. I mean, I think if you look at it yeah. as our, as our um, you know, our favorite former president over here who would be in handcuffs if it were not, if he were any other person for the things that they Well, I've got, I've got him in one of my latest drawings, which I'll, I'll be finishing soon. So he's being sucked down a whirlpool. Oh, he'll be missed. He'll be missed. Prefer a toilet, but I mean, that's where he likes to put all of his classified documents, but. 
you know, the ones that are blocking out. How do you say that? I've got that in a, I've got that in one of my paintings too. I've got a golden toilet with classified documents. I I remember that being in the news. What a time to be alive. What a time to be brain dead. It's more like it. Um, so you wanted to talk a little bit about STEM, um, science, technology, engineering, mathematics, which is, um, I guess, what do you call it? Educational discipline or, or um, I, yeah, don't, I don't know. Science, how, what you yeah, really the sciences, it. the right. science, yeah, science, tech, engineering, maths. Um, it's sort of the belief that, that these are, this is the future. The future are these things, you know, and that. With, you know, with art, I think, especially as we get, as technology advances more, you, you're going to need more of the philosophy, the, the uh, sociology, the ethics, the. The creativity side goes and th- probably always has gone really closely with STEM fields. Um, yeah, so like science and technology, like it probably has always gone hand in hand with creativity, but we lost track of that. Like so many famous scientists, or at least the ones we talk about, because there's so many amazing ones out there, they all had an incredibly creative side. So, you know, you get Einstein with his violin, you have so many um, scientists who are artists as well. Or like Da Vinci, you know. Or, yeah, Da Vinci. Um, and it's this idea that they have to be separate, they should be separate. The creativity, no matter what you do, is actually great because it helps you problem solve, think about things differently. Yeah. So well, I, I, have, I have a Bachelor of Science in Film, which is... Sort of, an, I was thinking about that the other day that for some reason my school gave me a Bachelor of Science rather than a Bachelor of Arts, even though I have a film degree. I'm like, I guess I'm a film scientist now. Hey. hey whatever. You know, put that on my resume. See if that That's cool. I like that. Film scientist. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So I, 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 the STEM fields, and I think it's a lot of my working background. So is is in either like scientific publishing or or science tech. And so it's, there's a lot of issues with diversity when it comes to the science fields. And so kind of on the side, one of the areas where I put my drawing to is creating science superheroes. Yes, those were very cool. So let's talk about that a little bit. Um, What was, describe that project a little bit because you can describe it better than me and like what your intent was behind Um, it. So behind it's probably my daughter, she kind of the really like infatuated with space and and she was this like little little thing and I picked her up from from school one day she was like oh can I be an astronaut and I was like of course you can she goes yeah but they're not that many female astronauts and I was like mortified one that she would think that because right. like at home we were, were so careful to have diverse role models so I went home and I started looking at all of our games and books and you know there you go especially yeah. games and so it it kind of took me on the journey of making games, more games for her. And then I started taking, you know, famous scientists, but a diverse range. And I started making card games and coloring books and and things like that. And so I'll, I'll, I'll find someone, um, learn about what their discoveries or inventions, and then those become their superpowers and stories will come out of that. So we've got games and we've got our first comic book, which launched recently, um, which takes uh, a famous Japanese scientist and a kind of if she were like a young kid, how she would have gotten her superpowers and she fights off the, you know, the devil, the evil doctor oxidization saves the world. <laughs> You're awesome. um, so it's just, it's, uh, I don't know. There's just not enough role models out there. Like I didn't, I'm dyslexic. I didn't get, when I was young, I was told I couldn't do much, right? Like you're not going to amount to anything. 
I was I have ADHD. I was just told I was lazy all the time. It's just yeah, like, yeah. You're not you're I'm not like, trying hard enough. You're yeah. you're yeah. It's I I love that. It's like it's like I'm like you're not trying hard enough to help me solve this problem. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I, you're not trying hard enough. Why can't you read yet? I know, you know? it's it's, it's just, like yeah, I'm doing it on purpose. <laughs> yeah, it's just I don't know. I remember yeah. people would be like, well, if there was a gun to your head, then you could then you'd be able to do it. I'm like, no, I forget the gun was there once every four seconds. It's like what yeah. really happened. And like despite how crazy that sounds, that's really the way my brain works. You know, it's it's a survival technique to some degree, even though I guess I might get shot in the head. Yeah, and I, I think people just don't under like whether it's young kids or even adults, right? They just don't there's just so many biases out there still, right? On what on what people think is yeah it's funny because like i sort of mentioned that thing about you know the friend with um the post of the that sort of thing about trans kids yeah. and i'm like the amount of times that i you know i'm non-binary i don't you know i'm not totally you know i haven't told everybody about this it's like really like do i need to make my entire life calling my friends and telling them this like but the amount of times people will say something that's kind of fucked up along those lines those lines and i'm kind of calm on it and it's amazing how quickly they backpedal off something that they felt so strongly about, or they claim it's a joke. And I have to explain to them that a joke oh, is yeah, a setup yeah. and a punchline. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, explain the joke to me. And they obviously can't do it. Yeah. The amount of people who throw the word woke around and I ask them what woke means and they give me a definite, they either can't or give me a definition that is just not even close to it. You're just like, okay, cool. Glad you're using these words, and I'm glad you're using them to criticize others because you're doing a fantastic job at it. Yeah, yeah, it's a, or it's a joke, or you know, you just didn't understand it correctly. They meant something else, and you're like, right. no, no, I got I it, I got it. Yeah, but then I, then, I probably you're saying right. Then to give some people credit though, that when you do try to talk to them about it and you explain, like, look, when I was a kid and I knew I had these feelings and I was severely depressed, and you know, it was just a very dark period of my life. Like, if if I was able to go to school and at least be acknowledged, at least have a word to put with how I felt. You have no idea how much how much that would have changed my life. But it's like, yeah. because a lot of people are too worried to have to explain to their kids that their kid's going to somehow turn to them and go, I want to have a sex change at my ninth birthday. It's like, it, it, it's fear. And then it turns into fear mongering. And it's, they forget the individual. Or maybe they don't care about the individual. You know, it's like, there's a lot yeah, of people I who are just looking for someone to step on. But that's, I think that's like, a lot of what drives even my art right it's it's that like is it that people don't think about the individual is it because they're scared of the individual like as humans like what stop what makes us either be so closed narrow-minded biased or just able to watch things that we know are not right 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 and just like let them unfold i think it's because they feel their way of life may be threatened and I think that that is something that's intrinsic to human beings where it's like, yeah. okay, like maybe in theory, I agree to these things, but I don't want my day-to-day -day life to have to change because I agree with them. And then slowly that turns into like, well, agreeing with it is too hard and then just doing nothing. Like people just, people intrinsically feel so defensive about everything. Yeah. And I guess then you'd have to question all your life choices, right? Right. Right. Yeah. And then and it's you, like you have to question a lot of people don't want to have to confront the people in their lives like they don't want to a lot of people don't want to grow because growing means that they have to tell somebody else that they have grown and that person may not like it. You know, yeah, I had an yeah. instance like I, I got promoted at my job about a year or so ago. 
And, you know, I've been promoted a bunch of times in my career. And I usually tell people and they're like, oh, congratulations. And we move on. This was the first time that I told people. And the reaction I got was actually negative from some people. And what, it, was, it was more of like, oh, yeah, you again. Or like, it was like, it was more of like, it, it told me more about how they felt about their station in life. And I'm like, I'm not doing this to throw this in your face. I'm just like, this is what happened to me today. Like, that's it, really sad. Like, it, it, it was, how could it was you not odd. be happy for someone? I'm I like, know. It's, it's odd. Like there's this word, I think it's compersion, which is the, um, the feeling of when, of, of feeling joy at somebody else's joy. And, um, that's, uh, something that I can relate to is that like, I actually can, I feed off other people, like other people's negative energy will drag me down, but other people's positive energy will help bring me up. Cause it reminds you, even if something good happens to somebody and it has nothing to do with you, it's never going to help you, whatever it still reminds you that there's hope in the world and that good things do happen. Yeah. But, and, but I guess also it comes back to what you said earlier, which was um, it's about empathy, right? Like teaching kids empathy. Like we need to teach kids empathy. Right. I had someone say, we were talking about the chat, the, the, the AI chat thing. And they were saying that one of their kids spit out something that was like pretty much as good as they, the kid could have written on their own. It's like, why learn anything? I'm like, well, how don't we, why don't we start focusing on things like how we treat each other? or credit card interest rates, or things that actually, if you taught kids, may impact their lives in a positive way going forward. I mean, the I like it's, it is important that you can write a paragraph. It's important that you can speak. But I mean, I, I haven't picked up a protractor in 20 years, and I spent a lot of my time in school messing around with protractors and you know i have no idea what a protractor is oh it's it's something you use in geometry the little plastic like ruler thing that has a oh on it, right know. right 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 okay you know i do know what those are you probably have a fancy it. word for it over there that us americans don't know <laughs> i'll add it to my to my vocab i'll use it tonight and just be like i know what a protractor is protractor and conversion if you know, <laughs> I don't know if that's the right word it's a word i haven't used in a while but um so so in terms of uh, of STEM, is this is the term that I didn't hear. I'm guessing it's not that old, or if it is, it hasn't been in, in the popular lexicon for that long. I think the first time I probably heard it was probably five or six years ago. It feels like sort of a, a TED Talky type type of thing, but it- um, yeah, That's probably a good point. I wonder when it was, I don't actually know when it started getting used, but it has been, yeah, the last kind of like five to 10 years, I think it's been a lot more- um, you, a lot more used and science communication has become a, a job of its own um, in its own right and has become more important even in people's career paths if they're researchers, you know, being able to commute, uh, communicate the science, which, you know, with fake news and all of the things like, you know, anti-vax or any of those types of things where science is being, the facts are being ignored, it's increasingly important, right? Like, yeah, you to be able to communicate the science in a way that people can understand. Otherwise, what's the point of What's the point of it? Now, is that something that's that's taught? Because that, that does seem like a very good point that, you know, we can have all the science in the world, but when we live in a culture that a 12-second soundbite from a pompous 80-year-old idiot is somehow taken as gospel, you know, or I would say even gospel is taken as gospel, <laughs> which, whatever, um, is part of STEM about getting better at communicating the facts around these things? That is definitely a struggle that we have now is getting you know, getting the, the facts on the, on the same platform as the bullshit. Yeah, I think, I think increasingly, yeah, it's, it's a huge part of it. It's like, can you, can you, can you communicate what you're doing and can you do it in a way that 
people understand and can engage with so that, you know, we can take them on the journey. And part of, you know, science is iterative. You know, you might, you might think for ages that vitamin D is bad, right? Right. I'm just going to make something up here. Yeah. But then, you know, you start to have discoveries over the years where you start to find out, oh, actually it's good. But as science progresses, as our technology progresses, you learn more and more. And so things change, you know, and that's why one day you'll hear this is good for you. The next day it might not be You're like eggs. I mean, we've been on a roller coaster ride with eggs our entire lives. Yeah. You know? Don't eat eggs, eat eggs, cholesterol, you know, all these things. Right. And it's, it's kind of the public understanding that it's, it, it changes, right? It's iterative. It's not, it's not right. something that's always, it's not set in stone for most things. Right. And that's one thing too, that I think some people who just don't want to accept some of the things that science gives are like, well, they were wrong about this. And you're like, well, it is yeah. an iterative process. Like we have new technology all the time that allows us to, to make better decisions, but we're, we're, it's like, you're not always going to get it perfectly right the first time, but if you get it 50% right, you're 50% ahead of where you were before. And, you know, yeah. we're doing the best that we can. Yeah. And like teaching kids that, and I, and I know like, you know, in science, they do it a lot at school. They, they, they understand, they start to learn about the scientific method and asking questions and putting their hypothesis down. But at some point as well, like, I don't know where we lose the excitement that we teach with science right you know like once they get maybe to it's the 20 million time we've dissected a frog <laughs> yeah and that, or and then it becomes all kind of like textbooky and why is it not incorporated with all the other stuff around us to make it fun you know why are we not learning in different ways and right. encouraging kids to like just question and yeah especially with a lot of the technology like even chat gtp right we should be questioning what it feeds back to us because right biases that are put into it are, are being spurred back out in some shape or form so and those are the skills that are useful to teach somebody and i, I we, we and i went to, to bu and learned about communication they taught a lot about media bias and things like that and actually got people thinking but this is for somebody i mean i'm at a point where i'm where you know i'm paying essentially thirty thousand dollars for an education and you know finally we're getting down to these things and a lot of what my high school education was was reciting facts you know many of them yeah you know, later find out weren't even true and I don't know what, you know, it's not like I'm ever in a meeting where someone's like, you know, I don't know, like, you know, what's the capital of Zanzibar? It's like, yeah, it's readily available information. And it's like, yeah, like, now it's like, I'll just Google that. Right. And I think in, in, to some degree, people are like, well, you know, that makes everything worse. But it, if we only our brain capacities are basically that of like we're, we're designed to be able to remember like the amount of people that live in a village of like 80 people yeah. and we're confronted with more information than, than we can absorb and, and that's not going to go away there's going to be more information made every day and we're making more information right now and i think accepting that we have to put certain filters in place aren't isn't a terrible thing and accepting that yeah. we can't know everything and there's like this certain like people love seeing people fail and they love laughing at people failing and it's just utterly ridiculous that like failure is the first step towards success and, and it's how it's like how some of the best discoveries of our times have happened like um there's a, the, a really famous example is um kevlar so the scientist working on it, she, that wasn't what she was doing at first. She was, I think it was for tires. And then eventually she, you know, failure. Yeah. There's Kevlar, which is used worldwide today and is, is like an essential part of like body armor and other things. And my Subaru that, still doesn't have bulletproof failure. tires. No, 
Um, and that's like technically a failure, right? Like, right. And it's, and there's also this thing too, where if somebody changes their mind, they're flip flopper and you're just like, yeah. no, I just got more information. And I kept thinking like, yeah. I, I remember someone said that people stop what people stop listening to new music the same year they lose their virginity. And I don't know if that's true or not. I think I wouldn't be surprised. It might just be a coincidence, but I think a lot of people stop learning. It's like, I've collected these facts and this is what I got. And I've done learning at this age. And these are the facts that I'm going ahead with now. And anything yeah. against that is just like. Yeah, I would, I think I would far, far trust, far more trust someone who changes their mind. Right. As the, you know, the ability to change their mind than I would someone who doesn't. Yeah. Our society is not made for gray area. It's not made for people to think things through. It's you're considered weak a lot of times if you don't have a strong opinion right away. And it's um, we live in the hot take era. And I just I, I it's so ridiculous how often I'll, I'll go on like a Facebook group and just see like a benign thing about someone posting about like The Simpsons and how how many hot takes appear underneath it. And just yeah. like the same ones repeated, I'm like, well, this is probably a pretty lukewarm take. And it is everybody, the race to be first is is in front of the race to be right. Yeah. Because people that, want the emotion of feeling like they're right more than they actually care about being right, which is what's absolutely insane. Yeah. I don't know. And yeah, and in a lot of things, being wrong means that that might not be the only thing about their life that they're wrong about. Right, right. And that's sort of where too people can't live in a gray area is they can't, they can't accept a lot of people can't accept their own failures either, which God damn, I failed a lot of my life. Yeah, I did too. And actually from all of those failures came the best things afterwards, right. I think like I'm kind of like, like thinking, but, and they're never pleasant at the time. Right. But right, right. So then are they really failures? Right. But teaching someone, teaching kids to accept failure is also an important thing. When I was a kid, I was made to feel horrible because I sucked at sports and I was told that I was lazy and I was told that I didn't try. And the reality of my head is I knew as a kid that these that these coaches in their short shorts and their whistles were morons. And I knew that they were pushing me towards something that I didn't care at all about, that didn't matter all my life and that I was being forced into. And as an adult, I'm more happy that I stuck with that stance than I was in being like, okay, I'm going to get dressed up like all the other kids and be part of this team with these people that just bullied the shit out of me. And you're just like, I, you know, I was just made to feel horrible for failing. Yeah, but see, and I don't, I don't even think we should be using the word failure because I think it's only a failure if you don't learn anything from it. Right. You, you have nothing like you can take away from the experience. And it's definitely not a failure if you've, you try again or you try in a different way or you, you know, you pivot or you, you come to realize that that wasn't needed. You know, it's, it, yeah. I, I just don't think failures, it's not the right word. It's funny. It's, I've been, we, we use it with kids and stuff, but it's not the right word. Right. I've been, um, I made this album that I haven't released yet called Drinking Songs for Children. It's coming out. I actually don't even know when it's going to come out now, but it's been done for about a year. I went out and got some of my favorite art, hip hop artists to appear on them, you know. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, I'm excited. But then my plan after that was to make a film to go with it, which is basically like a, like a, a and like, I've been working on this for a year and a half. And this morning, I think is the day I woke up and said, I'm not going to do this. Like, I just, it's. I, I I think it bothered me that I was going to have, that I'm probably going to have to tell people that this thing I've been working on is not actually going to happen. 
but I, if that's the worst of it, I, I can just, I feel like I, I built myself sort of um, this cage that everything in my life has filtered through. Is it going to be working on this film? And I realized that it's no longer worth it anymore. Like the only. But it could become something else in the future, right? Exactly. Like there are drawings that I've started and they're, you know, at the time I'm like, and I guess like most artists are like, oh, this is crap, right? Like I, I can't, I'm, I'm, I'm terrible at what I do, right? Yeah. And it, I just leave it. And then one of them I picked up and it's how I got back at how I got into the medium of the digital, like the digital drawing for the collages. And I picked up some of the old ones that I just left because for me, it was like, I failed at them. There's that word again. Yeah. I failed at them. And now no, let's say you failed them. Let's just say you were a total, right? let's just say you were a total loser. Okay. I'm a total loser. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and now I've got it. And then some of them I'm actually, you know, painting now too. So it's like, it wasn't a failure, right? It's like a, it just wasn't the time. And then it morphed into something else and it became right. something better for it because right. I tackled it again when I was ready with kind of fresh eyes, I guess. Yeah. And it's funny. There's a lot of people who throw the word failure around and people who have never, who have never tried anything. And I see that a lot with, um, you know, we're both artists. We both live in a world where there are critics and not just the critics that are actually knowledgeable that actually do their homework, but the critics of those same hot takes on Facebook where you're just like, okay, like you have never done anything in your life creative or anything. And yet you need to take like somebody to task because episode four of this show wasn't as wonderful as episode two. And you, you almost you treat this like like as an injustice in the same level as you know, Chapman. right? Or it's just I people have this inability to sort of understand that what things they should be mad about, what things they shouldn't, and yeah, and it's so know. subjective too, right? Art right. is like it's about control too. Yeah. They just want it's so yeah, it's just so weird. Like my best friend, we we go to museums together, and. She has a style, like the style of art that she really likes is the one I genuinely can't get my head around. You know, like if you've got like a plain canvas with like a line through it, I kind of stare at it and go, oh. I, I kind of like, like stuff like that right? a little bit, but only, but like not oh, when it's done with intent and when it's done, when it's done in the right context. Like, yeah, it's like so there was intent. a, there was a day and time for that, but to do it now is different than it was to do it in the seventies when it was a response to something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so I think it's, that's, that's the detail. Right. And it's like. And so I can appreciate it from um, a kind of historical socio, like the, it's time in history. I look at it and it's not an art that I, that inspired, like right. inspires it me. It doesn't stir things up. But then the art that I like, she hates and it's so subjective, right? Like, yeah, we all yeah. like different stuff. Yeah, it's funny. There's this, I mentioned this in a couple of episodes, but there's this podcast called How Did This Get Made? And it's about um, bad movies or, you know, movies that are just basically how do they get made? And some of them are truly terrible. Some of them were multi-million dollar movies. Some were made for 20 bucks. But I found that when watching these movies, I enjoy them more than I than I watch than when I watch some of these like Oscar whatever level movies that are just sort of a message wrapped up in a dollar bill, wrapped up in a desire to get like there's an earnestness to them that I think is not there in a lot of things that are cranked out by major studios with the intent of producing something that's supposed to be earnest and provocative. And yeah there's something to just having letting your creativity go without boundaries and seeing what happens and not trying to make it about success because that was one of the when i first started doing paintings that people liked, I was like, we got to start selling them now 
And what I found is that trying to monetize it, A, and you end up trying to monetize your friendships, which is horrible, which is, doesn't work. And, and I see people in art groups that get so offended when their friends opt out of their email marketing lists about their art. I'm like, you're monetizing. You get too much to, email anyway. Right. And you're <laughs> trying to monetize a friendship. Understand that some people are not going to like that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's. Yeah, it's. Gosh, monetizing it. I wouldn't even know where to start. And it's kind of like, I guess, I guess most of us do art because it makes us have, like, it brings feelings out, right? Like, right. there's a feeling behind it. And it either makes you feel really good, or it helps you express feelings that are hard to express, or can help you deal with trauma or like, I'm guessing most of us, that's, that's what drives us. Yeah. I think so it's too. The creative, it's the creative process, right? It's not necessarily the the monetization of it, although that would be useful at times. It's funny too, because I don't think I don't think a lot of people walk into the Sistine Chapel and look up and go, gee, wouldn't Michelangelo get paid for that? Yeah. It's just it's like the over time, it's the money is I don't know. I think people everything has to be tied back to money for a lot of people. And it's just it isn't really like that. And there's so much stuff that sells that's just terrible. It's like a lot of the things that people, the the awards, for a lot of these things, the awards should be given to the marketing department and not the people who actually made it because the marketing department is what made you care. And we both work. As, as my day job's marketing, I'll, right. I'll go for that. <laughs> yeah, and it's true because it's definitely, I remember this this time when, I heard the first the first big 50 cent album, Get Rich or Die Trying. And they had they had tried to sort of position it. I don't know if they explicitly said this, but the idea was like this was in the realm of the big E's and the two box, whatever. And the first time I heard it, I'm like, oh, this is marketing. This is not the same thing as the big E's and the two box. This is something that was manufactured to sort of be like that. And despite he did have a crazy story about getting shot all those times, but like the yeah. end result felt like a marketing piece. And I remember feeling this deep disappointment over like, oh damn it they got me and i just i don't know that was around like 2001 i'm like okay well the marketing of art is sometimes the bigger art than actually the piece itself probably goes for a lot of marketing um it it gets it's funny in marketing we get a bad rap but it's not always the case right and it's and i don't know as a marketing professional if sometimes i see things and i'm like i totally just fell for that Yes. But kudos. Right, right. right. <laughs> well played. Uh, but you know what I'm not falling for is the amount of times that I see people who are like, what if we just change that button on the email from black to red? And it's like they think that that's somehow going to brainwash somebody into wanting the product because the button is now red. And I'm just like, what do you think? I'm like, have, have you, you A-B ever... tested that? Right. And it's like, have you ever bought something because the button is red and not black? And it's... Yeah, have you AB? Yeah. yeah. Um, like I was talking with uh some some ex colleagues the other sit sometime this week, like last night, maybe I can't remember when. Um, and we were talking about emojis and subject lines. And apparently an emoji in a subject line just gets really good open rates. Yeah. Now it blows my mind because I see them in subject lines and I hate them. Me too. <laughs> but apparently most people really like them. And it's like that sort of there was the oh what if we put your what if we put your first name in the subject line I'm like oh this email really knows me I'm like the fine people at LL Bean decided they remembered my first name because I typed it in a form once I feel so honored it's like, but then there's so many people out there who do and it's just like and I guess it's kind of like art right it's so subjective it's like yeah. you don't so yeah, yeah. you got to know your your lists and your segmentation but it's 
So I want to talk about the piece behind you because I yeah. when, when we first came on, I was like, I was like, did you print that out? I, th I thought maybe it was like a print of like one of your other ones, but it's I'm gonna put on the old spectacles here so I can. Uh, so it's can a painting. I don't right know if I, I can't get any closer because of the laptop cable. Yeah, it's cool. So you actually you hand painted that. Yeah, it's one of the ones I so I drew it first, and then I painted it. Um, it looks remarkably similar in crispness yeah. to your the actual that's that that's really impressive yeah yeah so it's and then i'm debating whether or not i actually make it 3d by adding things onto it like okay this is going to sound really creepy but you know my daughter's got like lots of spare barbie arms right like yes so yeah. i've been i've been kind of debating whether or not i make it 3d because i'm happy with the painting but not and you know enthusiastic about it so i kind of want to i don't know do something different i think it's beautiful i think you know i'm because I'm, I'm looking to the right on the one i mentioned before on my screen looking at that one and like i love them both but the one the painted one has a certain warmth to it that i think comes from the limit because you're limited the amount of the colors you can use and the, the light hits it di differently yeah. and i think that there's a warmth to to that that i think enhances um the uh the digital versions yeah, and you get the, so this is, um, it's not oil paint, so you don't get the same texture. Like, you can't get this, like, I, I yeah. don't know. I, It'll um, be hard to do acrylic oil paints or something like that. I mean, that that's more of a job yeah, for acrylics, so acrylic. I think. And I'm not as used to acrylic, so I don't, I, I haven't quite mastered getting that depth that you can get with oil. Yeah. Um, which is a shame, because I also love the smell of turpentine. Careful, don't get and too oil close. Paint, <laughs> um, but, you know... We're in a flat, right? So you right. start using oil that, paints yeah. and like your whole, your living space just stinks afterwards. So yeah. One of the things that I really like about your pieces is that um, they there's not a lot of shading in them. Like there's a lot of like flat colors, yet there's still a lot of depth, which is oh yeah something that I've never, I've never really looked at a piece and considered that before. But like, you know, a lot, obviously when you're making art, a lot of the depth comes from the shading and the shadows and, and the contrasting color and like the, you know, the, the shades of colors, but you don't really use much of that here, but there's still a full experience where you feel the depth of everything, despite the absence of that. I think that's pretty remarkable. Yeah. I, I, I always kind of um, go backwards and forwards between, do I start adding shading? Should I not add shading? Um, and one of the recent ones I'm working on now, I'm trying shading, but I actually think I like it without yeah um, I, I try to put it into my head and i don't know that it adds anything because like i you know that's the beautiful thing about digital art is you can add it all and push yeah. one button and it all goes away or you know turn the layer off and on but like i don't know that it's um enriches because to some degree i think the shading is, is part of tells you where to look and i think one of the beauties yeah. of your pieces is that they don't do that they allow you to wander and they're not you know there is obviously composition that's leading you in certain directions but it, but looking at them, so you somehow have the feeling of absorbing it all at once and absorbing it one piece at a time. And yeah, know. and it's meant it's meant to draw you in and wander so that you hopefully stop. You know, we're all rushing around, kind of being bombarded by all, all everything. Um, it also phones. gives you the message of the backgrounds is as important as the foreground because if you yes. were to add shading to some of these pieces, the stuff in the background would be harder to see. And I think that's also metaphorically, you know, what life is like. You know, the background yeah, exactly. is oftentimes yeah. more important than the foreground. And it's all in the detail, right? Like, let's stop and pay attention to the detail, whether that's, you know, 
just enjoying a walk in the park and actually really observing what's around you, like trees and flowers to paying attention to the detail of what might be going on with the person that you're talking to, right? That's across from you. Like, is there something you need? Like, that's part of empathy too, right? Like, what's going on? Are we paying attention to that detail or are we just not, we don't care about the individual, you know, comes back to that. And are we, it's like, are we teaching kids the value of listening too? Like not just listening to your teacher, but listening to other people and reading their emotions and understanding what they're going through, you know? Yeah, and listening with all the senses, right? Like it's not, it's not just the ears. Like, can we listen with all the other senses? Can we listen without, without looking at our phone at the same time too, you know, and like, and understanding what our body language tells people and just emotional intelligence, which is a concept that I think is lacking in a lot for a lot. Yeah. And so many people think they have it and you're kind of like, "Mm, no. (laughs) Right. Because you're also, school is an environment where whether it's implicitly stated or not, you're, you're there to compete to some degree. You're, you're competing. The the, the students are, people are comparing grades. There's a competition there over grades. Oh yeah. Kids do that. Kids compare themselves all the time, like all the time, even if it's an environment where it's not encouraged, they're going to, they're going to compare themselves. And I think, you know, we're, we're both old enough that at least for me, I look back at my, my high school and things like that. Some of the people who I, who were destined for success from high school did not end up there. And, and some of the people who I think were probably more in the middle of the pack, you know, ended up having the longer, happier, more successful lives. Yeah. And, and the happier would be for me, like the successful. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Because success is just I don't know it's rammed into you right like you you get a job you get you know being successful is getting to you know the highest position you can and then what you've got one life you look back and was it did you enjoy it right right right. like were you content if you spent your whole childhood being told you had to do this that you get into the school so you can get this job there's and then you realize you never even really wanted that job and you lost all this time of, of where you could have actually been yourself and and then because you've made those mistakes and don't really want to admit it you're going to push those same mistakes on somebody else yeah exactly it's yeah and kids just do it like they just they compare themselves no matter no like i don't i don't think as humans right i don't think we can actually i think it's just like a fundamental human behavior on some level right it's fun. I had I mean, a um. I don't this know. encourages it, right? So. Yeah, yeah. I um, I had a mentor in the comic book industry for a while, and I was trying to work in comic books. And she's she's worked on like for DC, Marvel, all that stuff. And we would and we had a session where we were showing where she was showing art, and she was and she or I think I brought up a picture and she, from a comic book that I was interested in. And she was like talking about all the things that she would do. She's like, my brain goes to all the things that I would do differently about it, and I'm like. I'm glad she said that because I never do that. Like I'm, I'm very accepting of when I when I open up a comic or open up everything and see art, I I don't have that instinct. Of, oh no, that's not right. They should have done it this way. I'm always very accepting of okay, this is what they did, and even if it's not what I did, this is what they did. Yeah, and they may you know it's that's their style. That's their that's their reason. That's their right. Yeah. No, jumping I agree. To, I you, jumping yeah. to you're wrong, I think, is not the right way to be. You know? No, because there and is there getting very philosophical. Is there a right or wrong in art? Right, right? like right. But like the way art is taught when you're younger. I mean, I remember. I mean, obviously, there's only so much you can really teach like a, a third grader about the masters. But like 
it's always the same five or six masters. It's like, you know, there, and I don't know whether it's still that way, but I, I had a conversation on an episode that um, is upcoming about Basquiat. And we were talking about how in our lifetime, there's only really a handful of individuals that, you know, that were alive the same times that you and I were alive that have really been treated that way. It's like Warhol, Basquiat, Banksy, um, Shepard Fairey, maybe, but like, there's not that many of them. And it, it, and it, it's great to, to study those people because they're all worth studying, but you're also missing everybody in between and all those ideas that didn't quite make it to, you know, to an Obama poster, you know? Yeah. Yeah, there's and there's so much out there. Like one of my favorite things is the smaller, the smaller art exhibitions or the smaller galleries or the smaller where you just you get more of just like the local talent, right? The stuff that you wouldn't see elsewhere. And you just you always find gems, right? And you just find stuff where you can stop right. and just stare at it for hours. Right. And I think okay, some maybe people... not hours, I probably couldn't sit still for hours, but um, you know. I think some people, <laughs> I've seen some people just have a so what attitude to some of this stuff. And I'm just like, what are you doing with your life? <laughs> I yeah. I and so, yeah, so what is, that's kind of the question. So what? So answer it. Right. And it's fun. I, I've somehow, I've lately taken that attitude towards television. I don't want to turn into one of those people who just shits on TV. But I, in the past few months, I've, I've realized that unless there's something on that's actually serving a purpose, even if it's just soothing me a little bit, it's like, I don't have the TV on for no reason anymore. And I, I think I used to, but now I don't turn it on unless it's purposeful. It's not like, oh, it's the end of the day, you know, whatever. I was watching Wheel of Fortune the other day for the hundredth time. And I'm just like, I, this show makes me feel miserable. That's still on. It is. It's been, and it's still Vanna White and Pat Sajak. No way. Yeah. But like the rules have changed. And this week was couples week. And I was just like trying to watch these people, I don't know, fumble through this nonsense. <laughs> Oh my god, I can't believe that's still on. Wheel of Fortune. And then there was like another one I remember watching as a kid. It was like it's a family, like two families against. Oh, Family each other. Feud. That's still on. That's yeah. it. Family yeah. Feud. That's yeah. They've cycled through a million hosts on that show. A lot a lot of the hosts of Family Feud have met tragic ends, which is kind of really? odd. Yeah, it, I remember I a few of them had back in the day. I don't I don't know. Now it's Steve Harvey and you know that guy's gonna live forever, but yeah. Oh God. So I see things in cartoon format a lot of the time, right? Like my imagination is quite cartoony, yeah. like my paintings. And so now I just have like the, a really good image of a family feud illustration <laughs> with like <laughs> how all these random people have died. <laughs> but that's actually, that's really impressive. I mean, I've never heard anybody sort of say that before. But I, so I was somebody who for years was good at, at being able to take a um, an image and copy it and draw that. But then there was a whole other thing for me. Where I'm like, okay, now I can do that. Now I need to start pulling things in my own brain. And it is hard to try to come up with a scene in your brain that you're going to transform onto a page. But you're the first person I've heard say you actually see things like that. And I think that's yeah, actually... I see, I see things in like kind of the cartoon format, but I do then struggle sometimes to then put it down, right? Because the way it is in the brain is just... It would be perfect like that, and I never right. actually completely can replicate it. But um, yeah, I'll often see things in imagery. Yeah, which is interesting because it's like all it's too. It's like there's certain things that there are colors that can only exist on on a, on, a, on a screen that can't exist in real life because of the way the light hits. And it's like that's sort of the same thing with your brain, where it's like, well, you yeah, know, the colors like, are very like yeah. you can get so many nuances that you just struggle. 
on the screen you can i guess to a certain extent but you do struggle to get the, the same nuances and I had a dream once where I did a song with Eminem and it was me and the song played numerous times in my dream. And in the dream, everyone's like, yo, you killed Eminem on this song. You're way better. And the, literally the whole song played numerous times in the dream. I woke up, did not remember. I'm like, damn it. But I mean, it was really me telling me it was better because it was all in my head. <laughs> I hate it when it happens. I know. For years as a teenager, I trained myself to remember dreams. So I would have this like little notebook. And every time I woke up, I would write it down. Um, and I came up with some really wacky short stories from that. But um, you can kind of teach yourself to. But then I stopped because, I don't know, like life got in the way or whatever. Yeah. Um, and now I don't remember them at all. Like right. I remember stuff like that. And then I can't wake up and be like, oh, what was that? So you know, I wouldn't remember the song either. It's like, I don't Yeah. I, for a while, was obsessed with training myself how to lucid dream, which for those- Is that know, really a thing? It is. Did you I did it a few times. So, um, so, so no, 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 lucid dreaming is when you're dreaming, but you know you're dreaming and therefore you have full control over the dream. So I had, I had this dream once that I was, um, I would have super realistic dreams. I, I, I still have dreams that I, I had a dream a few weeks ago that I woke up yelling. It never happened to me before, but I was having an argument with family members and it, Whatever got me so upset, I literally woke up and was screaming before I even knew it. It was I probably should go talk to a therapist. <laughs> um, I had this dream where my friend and I, from when we were kids, we we were in the Natick Mall, which is the mall that I actually used to live in. My um, my ex and I had a condo there, so that made it feel real because it was you know the setting. Yeah. It was a condo attached to the mall, and like we were kidnapped, and we were taken on this. We were like thrown in the back of a truck, and it was just really scary and really, and it kept getting more and more intense. And at a certain yeah. point, we were in, um, um, actually, you know what? The mall thing hadn't happened yet. All the other stuff happened first. At a certain point, we were taken into a room. And I felt just, I'm like, it was one of those things where it felt so real. I'm like, this has to be a dream. And I said to myself, if this is a dream, I can make a banana appear on that table. And I made the banana appear on the table. And as soon as it did, I got up and walked out of the room and I was in the mall. And that was actually the first time the mall was in a dream. And I was like, okay, now this is a safe setting. And then I woke up a few minutes later. And I was like, wow. Oh, wow. See, I always wondered if it's actually like really a thing. It is. And so then, so then I got into reading about it. And then um, it was funny. As with most things in your life, this is going to make me sound terrible, but I'll, I'll just put it out there anyway. As with most things in your life, it turns to sex pretty fast. Because one of the next times I was able to have it, it was like, okay, now this is where we're going. But I started doing that thing where it's like, you know, when you're playing a video game and you can build your own character. Yeah. Like I, and it's like, you know, yeah. it's like you choose the thing. I started doing that for like 30 minutes in my dream. Then I'm like, all right, well, whatever. Now it's time for action. And that's when I woke up. <laughs> but I mean, I thought other faster. Ones, yeah. And I had other ones where I remember I had one where I was in an office and this, um, this pro wrestler attacked me and I, I knew it was fake. It, I remember CM Punk attacked me in an office, but the problem that I would run into is that it's sort of like the same problem I have when I'm skiing is that yeah. when I, and I've only skied a few times, but when I get up there, I, I, I get up and I'm going. And then I, then I become aware that, I'm, Oh my God, I'm actually going. And then you're like, well, now what do I do? And then I fall over. And the same thing would happen with a lucid dream where I was I was only able to hold on to it for a short period of time because once I realized what was happening, I would get up. I would get almost like a shot of adrenaline over the excitement over it. And it would, it would but the thing is it's a dream. You don't know what how, it's like the time is totally distorted. Yeah. But 
it, it happened to me enough times that it is possible. And it happened to me around times that I was trying really hard to make it happen. And so, you know. That's, that's cool. God, yeah. what could you do? I mean, you could do some cool stuff. I'd probably fly. Yeah, that's that's one of the things I that totally I think. totally fly. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty wild experience. But, you know, there's the training yourself to do it and the training yourself to stay in it. And I never really, you know, got that far into it. I think. I think it was a time when I was probably I was like I was a time where I was smoking like a lot of weed and I wanted to quit and then when I quit I needed something to sort of like take my brain on a journey and I was I was reading all these books on it I became obsessed with this Australian podcast called um mysterious universe they talk about all this stuff like that and aliens and you know cryptozoology I was so into that stuff for a while I thought I was gonna find Bigfoot and then um uh what is it called um is it dream paralysis? What's the thing where you, I had it happen once or twice where I was awake, but I couldn't move. I forget what they call that. Um, I haven't heard of that either. I don't you're know. Awake? So you're actually awake. You're not sleeping. Or I was awake. I was, it was awake, but I, I was essentially paralyzed for like maybe, I, at the time also was a story for like a few, there's a term for it, but I forget what it is. I think it might be sleep paralysis is what they call it. I don't know. But um, that's kind of probably I, terrifying. Right. I did find that, the, that, you know, just back to the nature of how suggestive we are, the more that I dug into these things, um, you know, it's not like it's not like I could listen to podcasts on Bigfoot and Bigfoot's going to knock on my door. But some of these things that happen in your mind, the more you dive into them, you do manifest them in a certain way. And it shows how malleable our brains really are for better or for worse. Yeah. Well, I mean, with aliens as well, though, right? Like the universe is so big. There's so many galaxies, like trillions, trillions. There's got to be something. So why no, couldn't no, no, it be? No. It wasn't mentioned in the Bible. You don't get it. I I, I don't know. There's like a planet out there with some Bigfoot on it. Like, I like, know. I we're going to so. get Bigfoot. We're going to get the, you know, the Yeti. They're out there. Yeah. Going to find them. How, so we're it, right now. There's got to be something. There's I, no I, way I, there's right. not something. Right. So. It is funny though. We were watching over here a Bigfoot hunting show not that long ago. And it was like eight episodes in a row. And I got sucked into it. As I just said, I only watch TV with purpose. This was like maybe like a month ago. <laughs> but the it was funny how long that they can stretch out the smallest bit of evidence. Cause it's like you're eight, I'm eight episodes in. Spoiler that they and haven't you, found. you still like they're gonna find a Bigfoot? Well, it was more of like my brain started going around the 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 idea of like, okay, did the people who paid for the show actually pay for it thinking they're gonna find a Bigfoot, or do they pay for it thinking that it's gonna be funny to watch idiots try to find a Bigfoot? And I realized it was more of the second one. But they will stretch out anything to make it seem like they're gonna find this Bigfoot, as if everybody who knows it's like, look, this is not live. If they had found a Bigfoot, it would have been on like The Guardian, it would have been on like it CNN, been it would have been everywhere. And it's still, you know, I'm watching this if they're going to find one. And, you know, I, I don't know what that says about me. Well, that, that sounds like purpose. I like I like that. That's that's purpose watching TV. Yeah. Because at a certain point, like when when what I'm watching is so insane, my brain has to go to the, well, how did this actually happen? And why is this happening? And, you know, is there more than 10 people actually watching this? Because I swear there are a lot of things that I see posters for that I swear no one's watching. I go buy things on Netflix. I'm like, if you told me that zero people have ever watched this, I wouldn't be surprised. You know. Oh, now I'm kind of intrigued. Now I want to find something I think no one's watching. Well, if you want to find someone no one's listening to, you can check out my music. <laughs> 
Oh, you're too harsh on yourself. No, but it is funny though that like I so if I release a song on my own where it's just me, I'll get maybe like a hundred listens. But if I put someone on there who's like um a you know someone who's known in the mainstream, all of a sudden I'm getting like thousands and thousands of listens. And you do understand how much a cosign really does help, you know? Yeah, but I mean hundreds is still. I know it's still it's still it's still nice you know it's there was a day where you you definitely that's way more that's way more listens than I get people looking at my art (laughs) and I think too that's a lot of art people turn to art for validation and I think it's the wrong sort of validation they're looking for looking for someone else to tell them that it's great or looking for someone else to pay them for it but I just don't know whether that experience is everything that it's cracked up to be other people because I've gotten little bits of that in my life and it hasn't been as fulfilling as I think I thought it was going to be yeah no and it's not why you do it right well I think it becomes why some people do it but I think it that just takes them further away from what they actually want I mean we live in a very capitalist society here and if you're not making money off something what's the point and I, I see that like a lot of people I know I see people in my life that are like 45 and they're like I'm gonna be a real estate agent now because that's like I it's like no one can have a hobby that isn't about making money and I think there's a lot of value in having hobbies that aren't about making money yeah uh if it hasn't already been published i'm sure there's research that shows it just makes for healthier humans yeah i'm sure that yeah both physically and mentally healthy like you know you you need we all need outlets like you can't we're always on we're constantly on right i think what stops a lot of people is that we sort of hinted at this before but um they don't want to people are have a tendency not to want to outgrow the people around them and that they that they if somebody if somebody's living in an environment with people that just don't want to grow and want to watch that same bigfoot show over and over again um no offense to what i did that maybe on the fifth time they'll find the bigfoot maybe they will but like they 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 feel that well if i grow will that alienate me from the people around me and a lot of times that's true but it's also not a bad thing no i think as humans when we get us i think so many just people just don't realize like you have to constantly learn, constantly grow, constantly work on the human, the person you want to be, right? Like it's, it's never finished. It's like when you have a dog, right? You don't just train them for the first month and then like let them, you do it forever. Right. And give others the space to do the same. Yeah. And so it's, but so many people are like, oh, I've, I've done that now. Like I don't need to grow and learn. It's like we have to our entire lives because we change as people, the stuff around us changes us. Right. And a lot of people, I think, pick the people in their lives the same way they would pick a painting. Like, okay, I'm going to buy this. I'm going to hang it on the wall. And that's what it's going to be. Like, this is what I, this is what I've invested in. So it's, it better, it's going to, it has to be this. And they don't understand that when, that we yeah. oftentimes will grow each other or, or people just move in different directions. It's the, they don't want, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it's, I don't know. Human nature, right? I do not understand it at all, which is probably also the reason I have these types of, this type of art (laughs) so what what are what what do you say your goals are with art at at this point in your journey i don't know it makes me feel good that's why i do it i enjoy it right like it just it i just it just brings me pleasure so yeah and you know it all started with covid and lockdown and you know there is there's not much we could do, right? We're, you're, you're powerless, right? There's not much you could do. And you could see all these things unfolding around you. How do you make sense of them? Um, and I feel often that way, you know, like Turkey now, you've got that earthquake. It's like over 25,000 dead um, so far in Turkey. 
or you know you've got the war in Yemen which you talk about for five minutes and then the news cycle moves on people right. forget about it and it's kind of like a piece of art right you go and see it in the museum and then oh I've tick I've done my done my culture for now right like I've I've looked at it and that's it right I mean there's still people suffering from the earthquake in Haiti and that feels yeah. like you know if you told me that was two years ago or 15 years ago I'd have to go google yeah. either way because it just becomes a there's still yeah. people suffering from Katrina <laughs> yeah god um and yeah so it's kind of a mixture of that right it's like just making sense of all these things that go on but also I just really I find it super relaxing so after working I draw I'm either doing superheroes or I'm doing my my drawing yeah and it is it, it is a world you can fall into when it's not someone else's world you know it's yeah exactly it's bringing yourself outside instead of bringing the outside into yourself more yeah one thing that comes up a lot in the podcast because I bring it up a lot is um different artists have different relationships with the stuff they've done earlier in their lives like maybe art you've done 10 years ago or 20 years ago or even as a child and some people I found that they really they don't want like maybe their old songs out there because they're embarrassed by them or they don't want like um you know they're, they they just feel anger at their old art or they look at it and go I'll never be that good again I I don't have that relationship. I'm sort of like I pick up old things all the time and I um you know recycle them or bring them back around. Yeah. What is your what are your feelings about stuff that you've done in the past and how it impacts yourself as an artist now? I guess pretty similar to you. Like I recycle a lot. Um and I actually have like old paper collages that I would have done and they're bits of a lot of the new ones that you can actually see them in the old like photos I took of the old collages. Um I recycle a lot of my old drawings or I look at them again. And there's only a few that I probably don't like looking at, but that's because they're, um, they make me feel uncomfortable or they, they remind me of a time I would probably not want to remember. Yeah. Um, but otherwise I don't have a, I don't have that kind of emotional attachment to them in some ways. Yeah. I, and I totally relate to that. It's, um, yeah. it's, uh, you, they're versions of you that don't exist anymore. And I yeah, think that's exactly. an interesting, interesting concept in general that you're like you can access parts of you that have lived and, you know, sort of died off, but still remain in some sort of form, you know? Yeah. And if, and it, if you put them in a chronological order, you can, it's quite interesting because you can kind of see not just the change in the art style or the medium, because I did sculpture for a while as well. And yeah. or you, you see like the faces, yeah, the faces in your life, the people that you were, and then how you grew and how you changed. I've been doing yeah. that with um, Mac Miller, who is someone who I wasn't, a, I didn't really know his music very well, but in the past few years, I've been knowing a lot better. And I've been listening to his, all of his work from like earlier to, to the end, you know, he probably made music for about 10 to 15 years in his life before he unfortunately passed away. And just watching his growth over time to me was very eye-opening and very inspiring. And it just, you realize that, if you live life properly, you can live multiple different lives and yeah. you can be, a, it's sometimes you're critic. It's like, you can be a complex human being and just say, I'm changing. And I'm not what yeah. I was yesterday is like, you know, yesterday's price is not today's price. You know, it's, um, and I think so many people are just so resistant to change, especially for themselves and those around them. And I think art in general gives us that opportunity to change and grow and express ourselves in ways that we might be able to not be able to do verbally you know I'm really breaking ground with that yeah. hot take but yeah oh idea I, I couldn't agree more with that like it's most people don't like change in themselves or 
in others or around them in any shape or form. Yeah. And then, or they see change as admitting that there's something about them that they either didn't like or that needed change. It's like, it's tied yeah. up with shame and guilt. Yeah. That means I did something wrong because I have to change as opposed to I've been learning and I'm evolving. Yeah. One of the big, one of the greatest lessons I've learned in life is the good news and bad news is nobody's thinking about you. In that, like, you sort of think that, oh, what do all these people think? What do they, you know, yeah. what do they think about me? And the reality is they're not thinking about me at all. And that's both, it's both good and bad, but I more find it freeing than anything. You know, it's like. I like that. I, I hadn't heard that expression. I like that one. Yeah. It, it's, it's like in moments, you can choose your moments too. When, when you're like, okay, well, I'm going to put something out there that I, I want people to think about me and this, and then it's like, you can kind of choose those moments, but it's like the idea that like, I'm like, there've been times I've, I've, in my life that I've been on the elliptical for like an, an hour and a half at a time going, oh, people are really going to think I look good. And I'm just like, no, they're not going to give a shit. <laughs> like, you know, it's like, like they do. Why do I get, why do I care? You know? Because because going back to what we were saying about kids is we always compare ourselves. It's like human nature, right? We're always pitting ourselves against something. Yeah. How, yeah. So when you, when you do a piece, how much do you, um, do you, does the sharing of it to people enrich the experience of making it? Or I sometimes have the feeling that once it's done, I don't really care what people think of it after that it's, it's really for me. And now it's time to move back. You're similar. Yeah. The for experience me, it's more, is probably very it's, more about the end it's result. during it because it's yeah. kind of, it can take, you know, it can take a long time for me to finish a piece. And sometimes during it, it's more sharing it during it because you sometimes get ideas you wouldn't have had otherwise. Or someone might comment and you go, oh, yeah, okay. And But afterwards, it's almost like a scientific paper. Once it's done, it's published, you move on to the next thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's kind of, yeah, when it's done, that's it's finished. I think one of my biggest achievements as an artist that I don't remember really any of the the negative feedback I've gotten over the years oh like, god I do See, oh I do the only thing that sticks with me is that if I'll show something to my parents and they'll just be like um like I I, I played a song for my dad that I made and it, it was a, a song that I had to spend a bunch of money on because I had to get people on it and I'm like I'm like just like if you're curious I'm like this is what a whatever thousand dollar song sounds like and he's listened to it and he goes well I guess you gotta learn you gotta learn from your mistakes and I'm just like, and I'm just like, I think you missed, maybe I missed, you know, whatever. I was just trying to bring him in my world a little bit. And it was just me. Yeah. And I'm just like, that's hilarious. I'm like, no, oh, I think the song's been pretty, I think people are like that. <laughs> I thought that was funny. Um, but I also too, I think people seek validation from people that have no, like, like, what can I expect playing a rap song for my parents? They don't have the context. They don't have the reference. They don't. They've never watched MTV. They've never watched any of this stuff. And it's just like, you you can't. And I think a lot of people worry about what their parents are, are going to think. And I'm like, you can't worry about what your parents are going to think. Like, it's, you can't, you know. And well, we shouldn't, I, really, we shouldn't really worry about what anyone thinks. Right. But at least in my case, I know sometimes I do. And I probably do too much. And it's, and I sit there going, why do I care? Right. But I do. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> yeah. I was proud that I got a point in my life where I've realized that 
I can learn as much, if not more, from people younger than me than people that are older than me. I mean, there's certain things you can only learn from people that are older and wiser than you. But there's a lot, a lot you can learn from people that are younger than you. And a lot of that stuff yeah. is more valuable on a day-to-day -day basis. So so I would, I definitely agree with the younger. But I think I don't agree with the older because it. I would say it depends on the type of older person, right? If it's someone who is constantly like learning and looking for right. to yep. evolve as a person... There's so much to learn. But then again, if it's someone who's so like stuck in their ways and their own kind of views and you kind of learn what not to do. Yeah. <laughs> Which can be just as valuable, right? It's like, uh, I don't, that's, that's not how I want to, that's not how I want to be. I was having this conversation with a friend recently and they were, they were talking about um, a grandparent of theirs that was just a major pain in the ass. That was just a racist jerk or whatever. And in like this person had sort of been shunned a little bit from the family because of this behavior. And um, I'm like, isn't it wonderful that we're kind of the first generation that doesn't have to tolerate like a lot of these people that are just racist, stuck in their way, assholes that are in their like their 80s have grown up their entire life thinking that because thinking that when they get old, they'll be respected because they're old. But now we live in a time where it's OK to say hey, fuck you. Like, I don't care that you're my grandmother. You're an asshole and you're ruining my life and you're emotionally like abusing the people around you. And I think a lot of people grew up thinking that that wasn't a reality and they're realizing that that is a reality in this day. In this day yeah. Age. Well, I mean, I guess so many, so many kids are taught, like, especially those generations, right? You're taught like what better, better seen, not heard. Right. Um, deference to your elders at all times. Right. It's true. Yeah. If a weird so, uncle wants to hug you, then you better hug him and stuff like that. You're not taught anatomy, you know, autonomy of your own body. Yeah, your, your creepy uncle body. wants to hug you, you hug him. Right. Yeah. It's just, it's um, yeah, you just don't. But yeah, it's true. There's less, but it's good, right? We should be, we should be questioning things, right? Because we're all going to have our own biases and our own. Yeah. Most of the time, we might not even realize we have them. We should be called out on it. Right. right like god i would be mortified if i had some kind of horrible bias that i wasn't aware of and i'd want someone to call me out on it right and it, when they and it's especially people that are compassionate and actually want to you know talk to you about it yeah. like i mentioned before there's been times that i've wanted to lash out at people but i've always taken a step backwards to do it in the most compassionate way possible yeah compassionate education is the only way to do it yeah yeah and that's a scary thing to some people yeah Wow, we've really been we've we've already been talking for a while. Oh my god, it's already like an hour. Yeah, you got you got me to talk for an hour. Like, well, we probably should wrap up. You know, we both have things you have to do. But is there anything else you want to mention or talk about, or thing upcoming things that you're working on, or just um, you know, shout out to yeah, anybody so, listening uh, at home? <laughs> yeah, no, just kind of working on my next art piece, um, and a children's book. So excellent. Yeah, that goes. What do you uh, anything you want to share about that or? Yeah, so um, especially during COVID, you know, there wasn't much to do. We were locked down for quite a long time over here. So every evening I would tell my daughter a story and then it came, you know, turned into almost like a, a an oral chapter book. And we started recording it together. And not too long ago, she's like, oh, will you type it up for me? So I've been typing it up and we're now on chapter 16. Um, awesome. Yeah, it's about a, a young girl who gets pulled into this kind of, intergalactic highway and ends up on a planet millions of years ago uh, millions oh. of years away sorry um so we'll see That's again awesome. you know people might think it's crap but it's been really fun doing it so yeah 
Well, the people think it's crap thing. It's, it's like U2 might be the most famous band in the world, but there's more people out there that don't like them than they do like them or they don't care about them. So it's like, who gives a shit? You know? Yeah. Who cares? It's been, it's just been fun. And it's something yeah. we've done together. So it's kind of nice. Right. And that is beautiful too, to share the creative spirit with, yeah. with your children. And then, you know, who knows what they're going to grow up and take with it, you know? Because as I sort yeah, exactly. of made that comment about my dad, my dad is also somebody who's inspired me a lot in terms of he's always stuck to, you know, he's always been very passionate about what he's passionate about. And he's always stuck with it his entire life. And for me, I've gotten a lot of that, that spirit of being like, okay, if you care about something, you can really put your all into it. So, you know. Yeah. And it's, it's like, it's awesome. All the stuff that you do, like every time I like turn around, there's something else. There's like a podcast, there's music, there's art, there's, we have one of your paintings oh, in the house. Really nice. cool. I like um, that one. I think that one's that one's been on my Twitter background for like ever since I think I made it. It's I love that so place. cool. It's so cool. Thank you. Yeah, it, it makes you wonder what I'm running from. Or what you're just, I don't know. Running if you're running from maybe. something, it's it's the output of that is awesome. Yeah, well, I hope so. <laughs> but all right, well, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Um, And uh, I don't know, we, I, we'll put like your social media stuff under here. So we'll make sure that all that goes out. But uh, thank you very much for joining me today. Oh, thanks for having me.